You're listening to the Course Report Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Course Report is the most complete resource for coding boot camps. On our site, we have thousands of reviews, hundreds of interviews, and a full directory of every coding boot camp around the world. On our podcast, we're sharing everything you need to stay up to date on this blossoming industry. Whether you're a bootcamp founder or a future student, we hope you'll learn something on the Course Report Podcast. Welcome to the August Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Imogen. And we are from the Course Report team. And each month we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we've read about and chatted about in the Course Report office and share it with you. Yeah. And Liz, we've been very busy at Course Report this August, haven't we? Definitely. First, we just published our 2019 market sizing report, which measures growth of the bootcamp industry. And Liz put a huge amount of effort into that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting report. I think it's probably mostly interesting to schools and like kind of industry folks, but I'm happy to run through some of my favorite findings if you want to hear about them. Definitely. Cool. Okay, so this is what we found. In 2019, coding bootcamps will graduate 23,043 developers. Also, online coding bootcamps are growing super quickly, even more quickly than in-person bootcamps. And we found that about 5,500 students will graduate from full-time online coding bootcamps this year. Um, this is probably something that you uh, feel if you are researching bootcamps, but full-stack JavaScript is the most popular teaching language. And another trend, uh, 23 boot camps offered deferred tuition or income sharing agreements in 2019, which obviously make it a little easier to pay for tuition. Uh, And then speaking of tuition, we also found that the average tuition cost for a full-time coding boot camp is about $13,600. So yeah, a lot of good stuff in that report. Great to kind of take stock of the industry once a year. And Liz, just remind us, how many boot camps did we survey for that review? Yeah, so we have over 500 schools in the course report directory, but for this report, which is only in-person and online full-time coding boot camps, uh, there are about 110 qualifying coding boot camps for this report, also only in the US and Canada. Awesome. And this report was also interesting to journalists in August. We saw articles by reporters from Campus Technology, Education Dive, and DICE. Absolutely. So if you think anyone that you know would be interested in that report, please feel free to share it. And then if you are a bootcamp alum who's listening to this podcast, if you've graduated from a bootcamp, then this next one is for you. Uh, We just opened our alumni outcomes and demographics survey. It is totally anonymous. I think it takes about seven minutes to complete. And anyone who takes the survey will be entered to win a $500 Amazon gift card. So please take it. Yeah, and you have until October 11th to take the survey, and we will include the link in this news roundup and on our website and on our social pages. So please take it. Woo, okay. So that is a lot of industry news. What else are we going to talk about today, Imogen? We're going to talk about the latest acquisitions. Two of them relate to Flatiron School. Then we'll dive into some news around outcomes reporting. And there are a couple of important updates about income share agreements. So we'll touch on those. 
And then we're going to highlight a few interesting partnerships between companies and boot camps that we heard about in August. And we'll look at how boot camps are impacting talent shortages, how they're impacting the social good, and even impacting women in tech. And finally, we added nine new boot camps to the course report directory in August. And so we'll tell you all about those. And we'll also tell you our favorite pieces to work on for the course report blog this month. Yes. But we're going to start off by looking at these acquisitions of coding boot camps and the consequences of those acquisitions. So Liz, tell us about Flatiron's latest purchase. Absolutely. So a little background. Remember that Flatiron School acquired UX Design School designation in August last year. And this week, Flatiron School announced that they will acquire SecureSet Cybersecurity Bootcamp. And that means that Flatiron now teaches web development, data science, UX design, and cybersecurity. Um, SecureSet is in Denver, Colorado Springs, and Tampa. So I think my biggest kind of question around this acquisition is how they'll expand. And Flatiron School is also launching a 10-month online bootcamp at UC Irvine in California, according to an article in Yahoo Finance. And then talking about Flatiron, Flatiron School's parent company, WeWork, is filing for its initial public offering right now. So Ed Surge looked at details about the Flatiron School purchase that came from WeWork's IPO filing documents. The documents show that WeWork paid $28 million for Flatiron School, which included $15 million in cash and the rest in stock. The article also looks at the growth of Flatiron and its tenfold revenue increase. There's also mention of WeWork's acquisition of Mission U, another coding school, which has now shut down. Well, that's some really interesting information, Imogen. And, you know, WeWork is about to go public, but remember that 2U is already public and recently acquired Trilogy Education. And so, of course, we like to keep an eye on how these public companies do after acquiring boot camps. And in the Chronicle of Higher Education this August, Goldie Blumenstick wrote about 2U shares dropping from $36 to under $14 in just a few hours. It's back up slightly. And of course, that is a Attributed to to use spending spree on Trilogy. Uh, we learned that they spent about $750 million on Trilogy. But as Bloomingstick points out, 2U is clearly trying to diversify away from relying on contracts with universities for master's degrees, since master's degrees are trending downward. So I think that spending made sense, and we will uh, we'll keep an eye on the 2U stock. And then just continuing to talk about parent companies, in contrast to 2U, Education Dive reports that Strategic Education, which owns for-profit universities and boot camps like Hackbride Academy and Dev Mountain, has reported growth, one area of which was those short-term programs like coding boot camps and software design programs. Very cool. Well, it's been a minute since we heard news about alumni outcomes. Just to give you a bit of background, at this point, SEER, which is the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting, is the most accepted standard for boot camps to report their outcomes. About 50 schools have signed on, and SEER was technically founded by Skills Fund, although now it's been spun out into a, a nonprofit. But yeah, Skills Fund had that an initial kind of contact with SEER. So Imogen, I think we probably could have predicted that Climb Credit would come out with some kind of competitor. So do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, totally. So 
Climb Credit is a bootcamp loan provider, just like Skills Fund, and Climb Credit has launched a badge system recently to signify schools and coding bootcamps that they believe are actually able to benefit students and help them reach their career goals. So students researching bootcamps can now look on the Climb Credit website to see which schools have passed Climb's return on investment evaluation and which schools have been verified by Climb Credit to have strong graduation rates, job placement rates, and consistent salary increases for grads. One thing I noticed, though, is that they're not really sharing what those graduation rates or job placement rates or salary increases actually are. So whereas SEER are delivering like real reports there and you can actually see what those numbers are, I think Climb Credit is just kind of giving out those badges based on that underlying data. So, yeah. We will we'll keep an eye on those. And then speaking of outcomes, Code Fellows launched a new reporting rubric this uh, this month. And remember, they used to be a part of SEER, but it looks like Code Fellows was not happy with some of the definitions in the SEER reports. Um, most notably, Code Fellows will not exclude people who find jobs out of field. Uh, so like if someone d- gets a job, but it's not a job as a software engineer or web developer, they'll still count those people as being employed. And the other thing to note is that the only schools that have adopted those the Codefellow standards are schools that are actually powered by Codefellows. So until other schools actually adopt that rubric, I do think that SEER remains kind of the most followed and well-backed standards, but certainly two interesting developments. Yeah, those are, those are pretty fascinating. And then income share agreements are another way that people often evaluate a school, whether they're going to take a risk on giving you education before you pay for it. And it is, as usual, in August, a popular topic in the edtech industry. And they're gradually becoming more talked about among traditional education providers as well. And so we've talked a lot in the past about ISAs in the US, but Liz, what's going on in Europe? Sure. So Gonzalo Sanchez from sifted.eu did a really nice piece about how ISAs have the potential to help fix the talent shortage in Europe. He talks about schools like Lambda School and Microverse, which have kind of brought the ISA to Europe and are providing some new technical talent to the European market. But as Sanchez writes, the technical shortage in Europe is very real. They need tens of thousands of engineers. He cites that bird the electric scooter company is planning to hire a thousand people in Paris uh, this year. So there is definitely demand. And he thinks that ISAs can't fix that by itself. He says, quote, for Europe to rise to the level of the U.S. and Asian market, other things need to be in place like better salaries, a lower barrier to entry for founders by expanding tech visas and an improved stock option scheme, end quote. And then continuing on the topic of income share agreements, MarketWatch reporter Gillian Berman wrote an in-depth analysis on the landscape of income share agreements in August. While some advocates and higher education leaders are suggesting ISAs are a potential solution to the student debt crisis, Gillian writes that consumer advocates and some politicians are seeing it as an idea which could discriminate against women and students of color and and could pander to private investors who want a share of higher education financing. Gillian gives an overview of the history of ISAs and looks at how currently ISAs are available for a handful of colleges and have become a standard offering at coding boot camps. 
She also looks at examples of how ISAs can often mean a student ends up paying more in the long run than they would for a traditional loan. And lastly, she looks at the details of a bipartisan bill to regulate ISAs, which would cap the legal percentage of income a funder can collect at 20% and cap the repayment period at 30 years. There's a, there's a lot more fascinating detail and input from industry experts in this article, so I definitely recommend a read of this article in, if you're interested in how income share agreements work. For sure. That's a nice uh, kind of landscape of ISAs. And finally, on the ISA topic, you may have seen an op-ed in Wired from Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School this month. And to be totally truthful, if you've been following the ISA news, if you read the Jillian Bierman article, then Allred is not really saying anything earth shattering in this op-ed. But it is nice to hear from the founder of one of the schools that's kind of leading the ISA charge. And it also spurred Forbes writer Gregory Ferenstein to write about the history of ISAs in higher ed. And I actually learned a lot from this. It's not super relevant today, but do you want to hear about yeah. a little bit of the um, history here? Okay, so Ferenstein says that the there's always been this kind of opposition to pay for performance college. It's centuries old, dates back to the very first academies in ancient Greece. And he says, quote, Socrates and his followers believed that higher education was to build the character of future leaders, not help them make money. For thousands of years, the academy has had outstanding fidelity to this philosophy, arguably one of the most influential educators in American history, 19th century Harvard president Lawrence Lowell argued that it is impossible to determine the value of scholars in the same way as that of commercial officials. So I suppose that that makes perfect sense in theory, but I also would predict that Austin Allred and supporters of ISAs would point out that, you know, the system has been kind of corrupted or poisoned by the student debt scenario that's caused, you know, $1.6 trillion in student debt in the US. So might be time to rethink how we're thinking about higher ed. Yeah, that's a, that's a great little history there of, of ISAs. Thanks for that, Liz. Well, ISAs and boot camps really mean nothing if companies and employers aren't actually involved in hiring graduates. And several companies partnered with boot camps in August. So let's talk through those. So this first one is actually a bootcamp partnering with a city, and that is Grand Circus is partnering with the city of Grand Rapids in Michigan to launch a 24-week front-end after-hours bootcamp, during which students will be able to develop apps to leverage open-source city data and work with city officials. Needs-based grants are available for Grand Rapids residents, and students will receive career services and job placement support. That sounds like a cool program. And according to Cointelegraph, Lambda School is partnering with Blockstack to give students real-world work experience as well. Blockstack is a privacy-centric computing network and app ecosystem, and students enrolled in the program will learn how to code Blockstack apps and will earn monthly revenue through its app mining program. And then UK coding bootcamp North Coders is partnering with local mobile tech company Apadme so that students can work on projects designed by a real tech company. Students will receive direction and guidance from Apadme mobile developers on how and what to build. And Sal Rodriguez for CNBC profiled LinkedIn's REACH initiative, where they hire coding bootcamp grads and other non-traditional applicants for internships. 
He specifically highlights Enrique Turendal, who went to Flatiron School and is now one of the lead iOS engineers at LinkedIn Mountain View. And there are currently 36 people in the REACH program. Um, and it seems like REACH has been super successful because LinkedIn has now started two more apprenticeship programs. One is called Unlock, which is an eight-week apprenticeship geared towards people switching careers to sales. And then the other one is called Ramp, which is a nine-month program designed for people interested in working in recruiting. Very cool. And then the Inquirer highlights a visit that J.P. Morgan Chief Executive Jamie Dimon paid to Zip Code Wilmington Coding Bootcamp in Wilmington, Delaware. The article says that J.P. Morgan has hired 135 Zip Code graduates so far and pays two-thirds of those students' tuition when when hiring them. Zip Code has also reskilled 185 incumbent J.P. Morgan employees with software engineering skills. Uh, while visiting Zipcode, Jamie Dimon told the Enquirer that he was excited about the affordable tuition model of Zipcode and said, quote, I'd love to see other coding programs around the country, end quote. The article also talks to a 2017 graduate of Zipcode who now works at J.P. Morgan and says, quote, it's a 21st century version of a trade school and I found it fascinating. I really learned by doing and the tech skills landed me the job, end quote. That is... Fantastic. I don't think we had gotten a good update on the like JP Morgan zip code partnership in a while, but 135 zip code graduates is not trivial at all. That's amazing. And speaking of zip code Wilmington, uh, Delaware Business Times just announced that they appointed Terry Quinn Gray, PhD, as their newest board member. Dr. Gray is their first female board member and is a global R&D operations and portfolio management leader at DuPont Transportation and Industrial. So welcome, Dr. Gray. And also, just to round out this uh, Zip Code Wilmington news, uh, Technically Delaware wrote about a podcast about breaking into tech called Git Cute, G-I-T, Cute, which is hosted by Zip Code Wilmington graduate Jocelyn Harper. Very cool. And then I'm sure everyone knows that coding boot camps are not just limited to the US and the English speaking world. So let's take a look at some of the coding initiatives happening around the world. Liz, tell us about the landscape in Lebanon. Sure. Executive Magazine looked at the coding bootcamp and tech landscape in Lebanon in August. They profiled a number of bootcamps like SE Factory, Kodai, and Torch Academy. And one thing I learned from this article is that while some bootcamps have been successful in Lebanon, Lawagon is an example of one that was, was not successful. They opened their doors in Lebanon in 2015, but they closed after just two cycles. And the Lawagon Lebanon founder, Malik El Khoury, says that this was for multiple reasons, um, price, the coding language that they chose to teach, and the fact that the teachers hired from the U.S. and Europe were more expensive than local instructors. So that's a kind of an interesting lesson for a school that is expanding to new cities, new countries, to think about those three factors. Yeah, interesting. And then Nigerian code school F of X Academy is partnering with BizSkills Academy, a school for digital skills, to provide students with entrepreneurial skills to help them launch new businesses in tech. F of X Academy teaches coding and software development skills in a 12-week coding boot camp in Lagos, Nigeria. 
And Nearshore Americas looks at whether coding boot camps will solve the tech labor shortage in Latin American countries. Their conclusion is that there just aren't enough boot camps in Latin America. They're few and far between. And I, I guess I would agree. You know, we've seen Holberton School expand to Bogota and Medellin, Colombia this year. But yeah, do agree that there certainly aren't as many as in the U.S. And then Irish Tech News reports that Talent Garden, a tech bootcamp in Dublin, is launching a data science bootcamp in anticipation of Ireland becoming the only English-speaking country in the EU. The 18-week part-time data science bootcamp will teach students to interpret insights from data through data mining, data visualization, machine learning, and artificial intelligence, and students will work on industry projects. I thought this was a pretty interesting angle, as Ireland will be in a unique position if and when Brexit happens. Who would have thought we'd be talking about a Brexit boot camp? (laughs) Well, obviously, coding boot camps can help solve labor shortages around the world, and that certainly has its value. But others are in this game to do some social good. So Imogen, what's going on in Oklahoma City? Yeah, so a coding school for survivors of domestic violence and sex trafficking is opening in Oklahoma City. Fox 25 reports that Control Shift Code School, in partnership with Palomar Family Justice Center, is offering a six-month program to help victims begin new careers in tech and escape their abusers. The first program starts in September, with new classes starting every four months. That is so noble. I hope those students find some financial independence. It's amazing. And in Iowa, Google is providing funding for coding classes at the Iowa Correctional Institute for Women in Mitchellville, Iowa. Two boot camps, uh, New Boco and Delta V Coding School, will be adapting their curriculum and teaching that in the prison. We've seen how this has worked really well at San Quentin State Prison in California. I love that this is expanding uh, and to women specifically. It's amazing. Yeah. And then Yahoo Finance reports that 19 students have graduated from a free coding bootcamp in Chicago, created by a partnership between the city of Chicago, Coding Dojo, and the Chicago Cook Workforce. The Chicago Codes program is a tuition-free 11-week coding bootcamp in Chicago's South Side, which aims to provide access to technology training for those who need it most in underserved communities. The program includes training stipends, laptops, and supportive services for students, and graduates are placed in internships with local companies. Finally, Al Jazeera has an update on Molen Geek, which is a coding bootcamp in Belgium in the neighborhood of Molenbeek. If you remember, Molenbeek started in May 2015 as a three-day hackathon, and there were 25 participants, all from Molenbeek. And today, Molenbeek has the backing of multinational tech companies like Samsung and Google. They offer a co-working space, coding courses, and even a startup business incubator. And they have 20 employees and upwards of 1,200 community members. So that is some pretty cool growth. Awesome. And that boot camp's in a sort of an impoverished neighborhood in Brussels, right? Yeah, they have a super high youth unemployment rate. And it's just a, it's a very poor neighborhood in Belgium. And a lot of residents just like can't find jobs many refugees and and immigrants and so this is a really cool program awesome yeah those those are all really great initiatives happening for underserved communities 
in the U.S. and all around the world. Yeah. It's really neat. And then women have also been traditionally underrepresented in tech, but we are seeing this trend shift slowly as more companies and boot camps are launching initiatives specifically for women. So Liz, tell us what is happening in Chicago. Sure. The Chicago Defender looks at a report that says Chicago needs to become more inclusive to grow their tech talent economy. And one of their action items is to research the effectiveness of Chicago coding boot camps in their ability to place black students in tech companies across the city. Um, so they haven't started that yet, but we will definitely keep an eye on it and uh, we'll report back if we hear anything. Cool. And then over to North Carolina, the News Observer looks at the representation of women in computer science in the North Carolina region and a survey which found that 27% of people in computer engineering and science occupations in North Carolina are women. The reporter talks to a woman who was an experienced computer scientist, but she had a very hard time re-entering the workforce after having children. And also a number of now successful women are featured in the article. The article also mentions coding school momentum and how women who graduate from the school are getting higher salary offers than men. So things are looking up for women in North Carolina. Very interesting statistics. Well, we read several articles this month with advice for choosing a boot camp, getting the most out of class, hiring boot campers. Um, we read those types of articles every month, but we chose our two favorites to share with you on the podcast today. So Imogen, what advice did you want to share? Yeah, so this advice is really for employers. Um, it's an opinion article for CNBC TV 18, which looks at why it's so hard to hire software engineers and ways to fix the problem. Contributor Vartika Manasvi, who runs jobs website Stackraft, looks at the broken screening process and why coding bootcamp grads are a safe bet. She goes as far as to say that, quote, CS degree to curricula tend to be pretty bad, and the people who self-select into coding boot camps tend to be pretty smart and motivated. She suggests that hiring managers, quote, completely overlook education and should pose job-specific challenges for candidates to assess them on their understanding of problems, end quote. Great advice for employers. And the SF gate looks at whether coding boot camps are worth it. This is kind of a good overview of what to be prepared for. Their advice is to actually prepare before day one because the most successful students have done some prep work before they get to school. Don't work a full-time job while you're in a boot camp. Um, I think once you start a 60 to 70 hour a week boot camp, that will become very clear to you. But good advice. And finally, to be prepared to devote the last few weeks of the course to non-technical training as well to help you in the job search process. And they give a good piece of advice. I totally agree with this. If that is not a component of the curriculum, then it is best to explore other options. Good advice. And next up, we're looking at general bootcamp updates. We've got a whole bunch of new bootcamps and some achievements to celebrate. So Liz, tell us about Mastermind Academy. 
Sure. Technically, Baltimore reports that Aaron Brooks, who is a DevOps engineer at a Baltimore dev shop called Fearless, is launching an online bootcamp to introduce programming and DevOps skills. It's called Mastermind Academy, and it's scheduled to launch August 12th. And here's the kicker, one that we haven't heard before. Classes will be streamed via Twitch twice a week and will be available to anyone with a Twitch subscription to watch. Super cool. And then we've already mentioned Trilogy Education in this episode and their purchase by 2U, but Trilogy continues to launch new coding boot camps at universities around the country every month. In August, we saw Trilogy launch a coding boot camp at the University of Texas San Antonio, a data science boot camp at Butler University, and a cybersecurity boot camp at the University of Pennsylvania College of Liberal and Professional Studies. Well, I can't imagine a month where Trilogy is not launching a new coding bootcamp, but on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we've been following the WazU drama for a while, and BizJournals has an update for you. WazU is ending their coding school efforts, but they're not closing. Instead, they are pivoting to education services for businesses and universities. So students cannot enroll at a WazU coding bootcamp anymore. Good to know. And then coding bootcamp Digital Crafts made Inc.com's list of 5,000 fastest growing privately held companies in the US. So congrats to Digital Crafts. Digital Crafts, which has campuses in Atlanta, Houston, and recently announced a new campus in Tampa, was ranked 117 on the top 5,000 companies and number one in the education category of that list. So yeah, big congrats. Well, congratulations to Digital Crafts and to all of those schools with news. And here are nine new schools that we added to the course report directory in August. Imogen, do you want to run through those for us? Yeah. So CEI Bootcamp, a seven-month JavaScript bootcamp with campuses in Spain and Portugal. W Coding, a 12-week coding bootcamp in Seoul, Korea. Code Belgium, a nine-week coding bootcamp in Brussels, Belgium. Ada Lab, a 12-week coding bootcamp for women in Madrid, Spain. Dataflare, an online data science school with two- and three-month courses. Nexel Academy, which offers full-time and part-time coding bootcamps in St. Louis, Missouri. Academy.ai, a 10-week artificial intelligence school in Barcelona, Spain. UCI X Flatiron School, a partnership between UC Irvine and Flatiron School, which offers full-time and self-paced online courses. And Pesto, a 12-week coding bootcamp in Delhi, India. Well, welcome to all of those bootcamps. And Imogen, let's wrap up today's podcast by talking about our favorite articles that we published on the Course Report blog. Do you want to tell us about your favorite piece to work on this, this month? Sure. So I enjoyed chatting with three part-time digital craft students who all managed to learn to code and upgrade their careers without quitting their jobs or compromising their parental duties. So Nick told me about working full-time as an IT rep and juggling family responsibilities, and he's now a fully-fledged software engineer. And then mom to a two-year-old, Sarah, explained to me how she relied on support from her husband to be able to learn to code in the evenings and weekends, and she's now landed an awesome job. And then Lizzie 
told me about how her employer paid for her to do the part-time course while she was still working so that she could upskill and contribute more to her team. And all three of them gave some really great tips for juggling a career while still carrying on with life. Amazing. Really, really good tips in there. And my favorite piece in August was um, a final project spotlight. And we've been working on more final project spotlights recently because I think that seeing what a boot camper can actually build is a great way to understand the quality of a boot camp. Um, so we've been doing some screen shares and, and videos about final projects. And this month I got to talk with Katie Stackland, who took the UX immersive at Dev Mountain. And she created this roommate communication app it's called Gabble and it's beautiful. But the cool part of this is that because Dev Mountain teaches tracks in UX design, iOS development, software QA, and web development, Katie got to collaborate with iOS developers on this group project. And so they actually built an iOS app and she did all of the UX for it. And then iOS developers from the iOS track actually built the app. Um, so very real world experience, super cool. And Katie talks about why she wrote, made a case study with this Medium article. And it's gotten like five, 15,000 reads and got her her new job as a UX designer. Or actually, she's a product designer. So. Wow. Yeah. Really yeah. cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah. People should definitely check out that video on YouTube and also the piece I did with the digital craft students is also, also a, video. a video. Great. Yeah. So yeah, check out our YouTube channel. Find both of those on YouTube. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in to the news roundup. We will see you next month on the September coding bootcamp news roundup. And as always, we love feedback. So email us at hello at course And if you enjoyed this podcast, help other future bootcampers find it by going to iTunes or Stitcher, subscribing to the course report podcast and leaving a review. And we will see you next month. Bye. Bye.